So All right, and uh, play. Um, so play. Good evening, <laughs> and welcome to Shit That Happens, it's episode shit. number three this week. My name is Abrija. I'm Jen. I'm Kayla. And I'm Keaton. And we're... <laughs> oh, did you see where it spikes right away? Yeah. <laughs> we're here to talk about shit that happens. Um, if you've made it this far, thank you for tuning in and listening. We appreciate you. What? They said the whole 10 seconds. <laughs> the whole 10 seconds. I meant three episodes in. <laughs> <laughs> this is where they stop yeah. it. Like, Alright, that's good. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. These um, <laughs> so, anywho, we're back again. Um, yeah, how was everyone's week? It was good. How was yours? It was, it was good. Do you want to tell me anything about it? <laughs> I mean, we went to brunch and watched Demon House yesterday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was fun. And then you had a dream about it? Yeah, I just had a dream about the goat demon Satan thing in my closet, but it's okay. NBD. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. I mean, we just, we just high-fived and then <laughs> I went back to sleep. That's it. <laughs> Friendships. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, anything else? Stop distracting me. <laughs> I'm trying to do an intro. Um, yeah, so we watched Even House yesterday. Yeah, that was interesting. It was fine. I was really, like, hyped up about it beforehand, and I thought it was going to be a lot scarier than it was. It was um, more like... I just feel like crazy. you can't take anything Don't that our, our say good friend Zach does too seriously. <laughs> Mr. Zach Baggins. Mr. Zach. <laughs> we love you, though. We're fans. Yes. Well, some of us. Some of us like to roast you the whole time we're watching your shows to make ourselves feel better about demons. <laughs> and that's all. Um, okay. Anyway, does anyone else have anything they'd like to add? Um, my sister got married this weekend. Congratulations. Yes, she Congratulations. did. Thank our sister Kelly and our brother Gary. <laughs> sister Kelly and brother Gary. Sister, so please fun. do it. That was Okay. Kelly and Kevin. <laughs> okay, so they had like a Catholic ceremony in the like church because that's what people do when they get married. And my I there was nothing in this world that could have prepared me for the singing priest. Like I didn't know that was a thing that happened. And all of a sudden this priest just starts singing about Kelly and Garrett, our sister Kelly and our brother Garrett. And I could not keep it together. Well, and he sang for like 10 minutes. Oh my god, it was the longest song I've ever heard. <laughs> and I He's was not hitting the billboard. He is not. Uh-huh. I just could not contain myself and keep it together. And I was trying to disguise my laughter by pretending I was coughing. But it just... I, nothing in the world could have prepared me for it. And it was a, a truly beautiful moment that I'll take forward with me into the rest of my life. Which I'm glad you were paying attention because I was facing off into not nothing because that's what I do every time in church growing up as a Catholic. I mean, the songs are really long. I don't blame you. I've learned to just go with it. (laughs) Just go with it. Um, But yeah, so that was cool. That was fun. The wedding was fun. We got to uh, watch Suki. That was fun. Yeah. Our mascot went over to Jen Jen's house. Yeah. To hang out with uh, her girlfriend. Sky Taco. Sky Taco. (laughs) <laughs> These are both dogs. Yes. BT dubs. Yes. 
Um, yeah, so that was fun. Yeah, that was, that was my week. Yeah, mine too. You're like touching me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a rest on each other? No. I'm going to put my foot in your pocket. <laughs> I got a pocket, got a pocket full of sunshine. Oh, boy. <laughs> we're sweaty now. <laughs> we're getting a little friendly in here. Um, all right, let's talk about some shit that happens. Let's get spooky. Yeah. Okay. Tell me something. Oldest to youngest again. Um so I lied last week. I said that I like going last, but I really hated it because <laughs> I don't like talking. So, but you have the you best have the voice. Talk. Yeah, I know you've got like ASMR voice. Yeah, what mantra? Welcome, mantra. Welcome to mantra. <laughs> All right. So my story is on Ed Gein. Um, bum, bum, he's, bum. Okay, thank you. Sir. <laughs> he came we got a sound effect today. I thought you. I'm sorry, I just read your notes, and I thought it said he was born in 100, year 186. I read 1996, and I was like, that's the same year I was born. <laughs> <laughs> it did so not happen. So glad we're all right. so intelligent. <laughs> so, graduating college. Number one, stop reading my notes. Okay, I'm sorry. Everybody look away. Close uh, your eyes. <laughs> okay, so Ed was born in August, 20, August 27th, 1906. And he died July 26, 1984. Yeah, 84. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, what year was it? That's like 1906. Oh, Put you in a mansion somewhere in Wisconsin. Um, Ed would exhume corpses from the local. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> fucking teacher. I breathe that. Thank you very fucking much. Um, he would uh, exhume them from the local graveyards and would make trophies and keepsakes out of the skin and bones. Um, he also admitted to killing two women. Uh, Mary Hogan in 1954 and Bernice Warden in 1957. Ed was unfit to stand trial because he was legally insane. Same. Um, he was found, <laughs> he was found guilty of. Do you, wait, hold on. Do you have trophies of corpses in you? She's got a yes. necklace made of human teeth. <laughs> yeah, I pulled them from her victims. What about a nipple belt? What the fuck was, what that? The fuck was that? <laughs> Um, it sounded like was a that, garbage. That was in here. Yeah, it was. That was not in here. Was that it your wasn't fan? in here. That, that was, was outside. outside, you creepers. Was that your fan? That came from outside. It was yes, like... that came from outside. You I have to go check. Fucking freaks. Okay, we're going to pause Brief this. intermission. Brief intermission. <laughs> okay, back from intermission. Okay, so we determined there's not a murderer in the house. <laughs> I got them scared with my nipple belt. Anyway. <laughs> um, just got to flex on everyone with your nipple belt. <laughs> So Ed was unfit to stand trial because he was legally insane. He was found guilty of Miss Warden's death, but remained in the institution where he was at. And then I'm going to read exactly how and what happened in that case thingy. So on the morning of November 16th, 1957, 
um, Plainfield hardware store owner Bernice Warden disappeared. A Plainfield resident reported that the hardware store's truck had been driven out from the rear of the building around 9.30 a.m. The hardware store was closed the entire day. Some area residents believe this was because of a deer hunting season. Bernice Warden's son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, uh, entered the store around 5 p.m. to find the store's cash register open and bloodstains on the floor. Frank told the investigate, investigators that Egin had been in the store that e the evening before his mother's disappearance and that he would return the next morning for a gallon of antifreeze. A sales slip of a gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt written by Warden on the morning she disappeared. On the evening of the same day, Sorry. Ian was arrested at a West Plainfield grocery store, and the Washara County Sheriff's Department searched, for, searched the Ian farm. Um, a Washari County Sheriff's deputy discovered Warden's decapitated body Ooh. in a shed on Guillen's property, hung upside down by her legs with a, cr with a crossbar at her ankles and rope at her wrists. The torso was dressed out like a deer. Ooh. She had been shot with a twenty-two caliber rifle and mutilated where mutilations were made after her death. Um, while searching the house, the authorities found... Um, whole human bones and fragments, mm. wastebasket made of human skin, <gasps> human skin covering several chair seats, mm. skulls on his bedposts, female skulls, some with the tops sewn off, or sawn off, sorry. I don't know. Not sewn sure. off. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be a little hard, right? <laughs> um, bowls made from human skulls, a corset made from a female torso, uh, skin from the shoulders to the Stop. waist. Sorry. Um, sorry, our mascot's being a little hoe bag. <laughs> <clears throat> um, leggings made from human leg skin. Masks made from the skin of female heads. Mary Hogan's face mask in a paper bag. Mary Hogan's skull in a box. Bernice Warden's entire head in a burlap sack. Oh Bernice Warden's heart in a plastic bag in front of Guillen's Hot-bellied stove. Oh, he's going to eat that. Ew. <laughs> but you know he was. Nine valve. Vulva? Vulva? Vulva. Vulva. What That's the hell is that? That's the version of vulva. Nine vulva. In a shoe box. Oh, a young girl's dress and the vulvas of two females. Two females judged to have been about 15 years old. A belt made from human, female human nipples. Nipple belt. Oh, this is where I've heard the nipple belt from. <laughs> wow, wow, here we are. They found four noses, a pair of lips on a window shade drawstring. What the fuck? A lampshade made from the skin of a human face, and fingernails <laughs> from female fingers. That lampshade, that's what I was going to ask about. That's giving me so much stress. <laughs> These artifacts... Yes. Smelled really bad in there then because of all probably the well. Like, so that was my question. Like, there's like chairs covered in skin and stuff like that. And so mm -hmm. like, how did you keep it from like? I feel like after a certain point, once it like dries, yeah. it would like tear really easily. 
And stuff. Like maybe you if you old. put like the leather finish. Or maybe sort of thing. Maybe this is why in Silence of the Lambs they maybe he put, put lotion, the lotion on, on the skin. Yeah, maybe. To keep it all moisturized. Ew. Hold on, let me loop up my couch. <laughs> you can sit down, but I gotta loop it up. Just sit very gently. These artifacts were photographed at the state crime laboratory and then destroyed. When questioned, Guillen told investigators that between 1947 and 1952, he made as many as 40 nocturnal visits to three local graveyards to exhume recently buried bodies while he was in a daze-like state. On about 30 of, the visit, of those visits, he said he came out of the daze while in the cemetery, left the grave in good order, and returned home empty-handed. On the other occasions, he dug up the graves and recent, uh, recently buried middle-aged women he thought resembled his mother and took the bodies home where he tanned their skins to make his paraphernalia. Here's oh. a nipple belt. Is that Here. the actual nipple belt? Yeah. And then this is the lampshade. I want to see that. I've seen the lampshade before. <gasps> oh my god! So Guillen admitted oh, so to gross. stealing yeah. from nine graves from local cemeteries and led investigators to their locations. Um, <laughs> the state crime laboratory participated in opening three test graves mm -hmm. identified by, by Guillen. The caskets were inside wooden boxes and the top boards ran crossways, not lengthwise. The tops of the boxes were about two feet below the surface in sandy soil. Gian had robbed the graves soon after the funerals while the graves were not completed. The test graves were exhumed because authorities were uncertain as to whether the slight, the slight Gian was capable of single-handedly digging up a grave during a single evening. Um, they were found, as Gian described, two of the exhumed graves were found empty. One had a crowbar in place of the body, and thus apparently... Corroborating Guillen's confessions. Wait, it was in place of the body? Yeah, there's just a crowbar. Wait, was this in a coffin? Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. I was imagining like a head missing. and severed arms on a crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same exact thing. Just like a replacement of this torso. So soon after his mother's death, Guillen uh, began to create a woman's suit so that he could become his mother to literally crawl into her skin. Quote, unquote. Guillen denied having sex with the bodies he exhumed, explaining the smell was too bad. <laughs> During I did not have sexual relations with those corpses. <laughs> uh, During the state crime laboratory interrogation, Guillen also admitted to have to the shooting death of Mary Hogan a tavern owner missing since 1954, whose head was found in his house, but he later denied memory of the details of her death. A 16-year-old youth whose parents were friends of Guillen and who had attended ball games and movies with him reported that Guillen kept shrunken heads in his house, which Guillen had described as relics from the Philippines, sent by a cousin who had served on the islands during World War II. No. Upon investigation by the police, these were determined to be human uh, facial skins, carefully pilled from the corpses and used by Guillen as masks. Ew! That's what I feel like whenever I do a sheet mask. <laughs> right, just peeling your skin off. 
Ginn, <laughs> Ginn was also considered a suspect in several other unsolved cases in Wisconsin, including the 1953 disappearance of Evelyn Hartley. Uh, Hartley? Yeah, I know. That's funny. Uh, Lacrosse babysitter. Lacrosse. During questioning, the Warshaw County Sheriff Art Shealy reportedly assaulted Ginn by banging his head and face into a brick wall. As a result, Ginn's init initial confessions was ruled in inadmissible. Shealy died of a heart failure at 43 in 1968 before Ginn's trial. Many who knew Shealy said he was traumatized by the horrors of, of Ginn's crimes. And this, along with the fear of having to testify, especially about assaulting Gein, caused his death. One of his friends said he was a victim of Ed Gein, as surely as if he had butchered him. Ooh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, was that like the police report, or where did that this come was, from? This um, was Wikipedia, where everything else comes from. Hashtag <laughs> wiki. Um, <clears throat> no, that's just, it was basically telling what was all inside the house and everything. Um, after that, Aguian died in 1984 in the Menadota Mental Health Institution. He died of respiratory failure and liver cancer. Did they make his skin out of a lampshade? No, but they, they made his skin out of a lampshade. <laughs> so he's <laughs> made a lampshade out of his skin. So, <laughs> you know what I mean. He's actually in an unmarked grave now. Someone took his um, grave like his grave, his headstone. <laughs> they and, took uh, his headstone, or did they leave it unmarked on purpose? So no, they took his headstone. It says it. And he also. Rough. Served as the inspiration for Norman Bates in Psycho and Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Buffalo Bill in the Silence of the Yeah, Lambs. see, that's what I was thinking the whole time was mm -hmm. Buffalo Bill. Mm -hmm. And I was watching Bates Motel earlier, and um, that's vaguely related to this, but <laughs> I just wanted to share that I was watching Bates <laughs> Motel earlier. Anything else It's gonna be on La Llorona, as white people would call it. <laughs> La Llorona. La Llorona. La Corona. Down here we're gonna be talking about the La Llorona. <laughs> Who's the La Llorona? So just so you know, it's actually pronounced La Llorona. La Llorona. La Llorona. La Llorona. But I've watched a lot of videos or accounts of people hearing her moaning. So that is why I did it. Yeah. My grandma used to tell me about her all the time. Yeah. My grandma did not because we're white. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also Hispanic, so oh, oh, oh. I like the way you said that. Three for four Hispanics. Right. 
Hispanic. You know, <laughs> just a fun fact. You don't look Hispanic at all. Sorry. I know I don't, but you look like it's in the genetics. <laughs> you look this is not what you said, though. Because I wasn't sure if I wanted to tuck in my shirt or not. Because I was like, in true fashion to me and Garrett's relationship, I feel like I should tuck in my shirt because it kind of made me look like Hank Hill. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Shout out to Kelly and Garrett. Kelly and Garrett. This episode is dedicated to yeah. Kelly and Garrett. Sponsored by Kelly and Garrett. Yeah. Okay, so La Llorona means the weeping woman in English. See. <laughs> now I'm gonna do this all in Spanish. <laughs> Just Don't worry. I'll make commentary. I would cry probably. I'll make commentary. I would be the weeping woman. <laughs> so I don't know what the fuck she just said here, but there's something to do about a lady. Something about school. Escucha <laughs> No me digas eso. <laughs> okay. Azúcar. Oh. Damn, Hank Hill. All right, we're really good at Spanish. <laughs> so, that was our Spanish lesson for the day. You can all go home now. <laughs> yeah. We've turned into Rosetta Stone. <laughs> okay. Uh, so history on where this legend started. Um, so no one really knows when or where it began, but they have some accounts, like different accounts of where it might have began. So I'll tell you the most famous one, probably in the United States because it's from Mexico. So probably just transferred to here. Um, so there was a young woman named Maria. She came from a poor family, but she was a beaut. A beaut. That's what I put in my notes. That's true. <laughs> I like the way you take notes. <laughs> Um, she would spend her days in humble peasant surroundings, but at night would put on her best white gown and thrill the men who admired her. Ooh. Um, thrill them. Thrill them. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> Big That's a precious meeting. Um, anyway. So one day a wealthy nobleman traveled through the village and saw Maria. They, ch- they were charmed by each other, and he proposed to her, and she accepted. Her family... Oh, excuse me, sir. You came out. Her so family was... <laughs> her family was thrilled, but her family... Oh, but his family... <laughs> <laughs> Something was going on. <laughs> her family was thrilled, but her family was disappointed. So That's not they it. They had a lot of conflicting emotions. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it started. I can't believe how much of a failure you are. <laughs> <laughs> you good girl. <laughs> Jennifer's not amused. <laughs> she needs a Jen's gonna karate chop us in the room. In the karate artery. because it was a wealthy man, but his family was disappointed because she was poor. 
and he didn't want her to marry into a poor family. <laughs> they didn't want him. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so they built a house in the village to be away from his disapproving father. They gave birth to two to two boys that were twins. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm reading this so wrong. I don't know what's wrong with me. So they gave birth to twins that were two boys. They both gave birth. <laughs> traveled a lot and stopped spending time with his family and he fell out of love with her and left one day and never returned. I also found another legend from this account and they said that he also or he could have came back in a carriage with an elegant lady by his side and he stopped to speak to the children but not Maria. Really? (laughs) So either way she was angry and confused Mm -hmm. So, Maria picked up her two boys and threw them into the river and drowned them. She realized afterwards what she had done and jumped into the river to die with her children. Um, Another legend says that um, she ran ran down the streets screaming and wailing, and then she wouldn't eat and walked along the river searching for them. She grew thinner and thinner until she eventually died on the banks of the river. Um, Some say that she was the one that did it, or it was just from the neglect so that like the children were just in the river and she wasn't going to them. Yeah. Um <laughs> so <laughs> Suki my dog is gonna eat all of our pizza. So she spends an eternity looking for her children around the river. So here are some other cultures legends from this. So Um, she can also be called La Malinche. What does that mean? I don't know. I didn't look it up. Okay. <laughs> if anyone knows, put it on our um, Instagram. So she was a woman who served as Cortez's interpreter and mistress who bore his children. She, he abandoned her so he could marry a Spanish lady. And it compares to the Spanish discovery of the New World and the demise of indigenous culture after the conquest. Um, Suki, stop. <laughs> you are being a menace today. Can you, you just are. lay down? I don't I don't want to look at you, go. She didn't get it from her antigen's house, I promise. Um, another <laughs> one is she's called the Chumash, which okay. is from Southern California. Um, and her cry is considered to be an omen of death, which is pretty popular amongst all the legends with her. <clears throat> um, she's described as looking like a cat with a skin of raw hide leather. Ew. Yeah. There's a lot like of skin a leather going on. Yeah, like yeah. a <laughs> um, There's also a Greek tale that they kind of thought that they got this from. So they found a re- resemblance to demonic demigoddess Lamia, 
Um, so Hera, who was Zeus's wife, learned of his affair with Lamia and killed the children Lamia and Zeus had, and out of jealousy over the loss of her children, uh, she steals other women's children. Hmm. They no, also, yeah. Um, they found some elements of the story back to German folktale dating um, from 1486, which that's all I have for that. I don't know what, <laughs> what, what that was. Um, and then from the Aztecs, um, my notes are so bad. What, what was I doing? Um, so Banshee, who acts as the patron saint of woman, um, who died in childbirth, uh, she was the Aztec goddess of fertility and motherhood, um, ab- abandoned her son at a crossroads, and then you'll find her there weeping, and you're in for some bad luck if you hear her weeping. Um, found the Aztecs found this out when they saw her directly before the Spanish conquistador Hernan Cortez arrived and overtook the Aztec people, so. And then some say her husband killed her children um, because they were both poor. They couldn't afford to feed them, so he starts just drowning them. And then after their third, fifth baby was born, he throws the baby into the river and she goes after the baby and drowns. Um, and then they say that she's barred from heaven, so she cries for the children. Okay, so... Here's one of the paranormal stuff. Yes, BB. Um, <laughs> so people have seen her, said that her spirit is said to be blessed with natural beauty and long flowing black hair and wears a white gown. She will act without hesitation or mercy. Uh, she's attracted to children thinking they are hers and will try to drown them. Children should not walk along around the river. If you are to hear her crying, oh, and to, on top of that, parents in Mexico use this to scare children from yeah. staying out late. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so. Um, did you guys have experience? Yep. <laughs> um, uh, if you hear her crying, you are to run the opposite direction, and if you, um, if you, you hear the crying, it could bring misfortune or even death. In some versions, she kidnaps children that resemble her missing children and asks them for forgiveness, but still kills them. Oh. Yeah. You know, when you ask for forgiveness, we keep doing this. Hey, thanks, bro. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Come here, but fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, people who claim to... <laughs> people... <laughs> I know people who claim to have claimed. <laughs> <laughs> they claim to have claimed. Were you like? I was on drugs while this was happening. I was just gonna ask Were you drunk? Like, <laughs> no. We did our notes together. We did. Oh. Well, not together, Don't but we worry. sat. sat we sat side. next to each other. We, we were invited to. Yeah. We live um, here. You guys can come over anytime and do notes with us. Um. Anyway. Don't. I'm sorry. Um, people like finger my leg with your toe. Stop. Stop fingering her leg. <laughs> this is a cluster. I know. <laughs> okay. Um, people, who, people who claim to have seen her say she appears at night by rivers of lakes, which I just said. Uh, she is said to cry, I, mis, mis hijos. <laughs> 
which means my children. Thank you for that. I, I, these eos. I, my children. Actually, what would be like the English version of I? Oh, my children. Oh, oh. damn. Damn. <laughs> star children. Um, sheep. Sheep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, those who do not treat their families well will see her, and she will teach them a lesson, which I have an account of that coming up. Sweet. Ooh, <laughs> Next time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> um, children in South America play a version of hide-and-seek, and the seeker plays La Llorona, and calls after hiders, screaming, Donde esta mis hijos? Mis hijos. Mis hijos. Okay, so I have three accounts of people who have seen me. Yeah. <clears throat> One is Teresa Finney. Um, she said that her mother had a face-to-face encounter, encounter when she was a girl. Um, she was on the phone with her boyfriend and suddenly felt a chill. And then, quote-unquote, <laughs> said, All I know is that I tried to turn around to see where the cold was coming from, but I couldn't move. I was frozen. I was laying in bed on the phone and I'm paralyzed. I can't move. And that's when I see her. She's in the doorway of my room just staring at me, dressed in all white. I try to scream, but I'm just paralyzed. So that was one. Um, Patricia Lugan, uh, when he was a boy, saw her in Guadalupita. Her, uh, his family was sitting outside talking, and they say they saw, they say, they saw a thin, tall woman walking along Boat Creek. She seemed to be floating over water. And started up the hill and vanished, only to show up later, moments later, closer to them, and then disappeared. Just creepy. Um, and then the last one was Epifanio Garcia. Um, he said, or he was an outspoken boy who often argued with his mother and father. After a heated argument, him and his brothers decided to leave their ranch. Um, they went to, they were on their way to Santa Fe. And they were visited by a tall woman who was wearing a tet pillow. What does that mean? Which is like a cover, I guess. It's not like a oh, veil, like but a like a shawl. Like it's like a shawl. Oh, okay. Because she was also wearing a veil, so. Okay. Yeah. Or it says a black net over her face. Um, so two of the boys were riding in front of the wagon when she appeared on the seat between them. And she was just silent and continued to sit there until he turned around the horses and headed back home. Um, and before they got home, she said, I will visit you again someday when you argue with your mother. Uh, Which is super creepy. Uh, so, that crazy. is La Llorona. La Llorona. That is my story. The crying. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. I know. I don't like the thought of, like, driving somewhere and then, like, this lady. Right. Yeah, like, what's up? <laughs> and she doesn't know how say someone could get in my backseat, so... <laughs> I don't have that fear. Um, well, if they're a ghost, they probably can transcend the boundaries of space and time. So probably, you'd you know. be like, "Damn, you need to clean your car, baby." <laughs> what is all this shit back here? So um, many Starbucks cups. So many Starbucks cups. <laughs> that gives me the heebie-jeebies. So yeah, that was Starbucks my story. Cups. <laughs> yes, the Starbucks cups give me the heebie-jeebies. Um, okay, so all right. yeah.
Let's uh, add to the nightmare fuel. <laughs> yeah, Here we go. The story that I'll be sharing about today is an urban legend that comes from Columbus, Mississippi. Oh, oh. Called the Three-Legged Lady of Nash Road, oh. or sometimes also known as Three-Legged Lady Road. Um, so it's one of those urban legends that like every place has where you know the high school kids like tell it to each other and go in the middle of the night and like try to you know get the ghost to come out or whatever yeah. so it's like one of their popular like it's like Riverdale Road kind of here things. yeah like yeah. Riverdale Road here or like yeah any of those things um got it <laughs> thanks <laughs> um but yes, uh, from what I was able to find on the internet, um, Nash Road is a stretch of overpass or something of that nature. It wasn't really very specific. I tried to find what exactly it is and how long it is. and No one had a ton of geographical information about it. But anyway, it exists. It's there. Um, when you type Nash Road, Mississippi into the search engine, most of what comes up is stories about the three-legged lady. Um, da, 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 da. let's see here. So, most of the variations I found of the story include an old church that's somewhere along the road that no longer stands there. There are two churches, um, Antioch Church and St. Peter Church, that show up on Google Maps along Nash Road, but allegedly neither of them are the church in question when it comes to the story. Um, there are many different retellings and variations of the origins of this story, but as the legend goes, there was once a church along Nash Road. The Lobos would park their cars outside of the church, turn the, off their headlights, and honk three times to draw out what is known as the Three-Legged Lady. She would begin by knocking on the roof of the car, and then the driver would have to race her to the end of the road. She would run beside the car and slam her body into it repeatedly to try and run it off the road. Which is one of the scariest things I can think yeah. of in my wildest nightmares. Um, if the people in the car won the race, they'd never see her again. If they look back at her as, as she's chasing them or lose the race, the lady will run them off the road and into a field where they will a field a field where they will meet a gruesome fate. People have reported seeing a woman with three legs running beside the car, hearing pounding on their vehicles as though someone is repeatedly running into it as they're driving, a female voice whispering to them as they're driving, and even dents and dings in the sides of their car like something made contact with it with force. Um, so that's kind of the, like, you know, spooky part. There are many different stories I found on... Uh, like public forums and multiple articles and like blog posts that people wrote about it um, to explain why the lady is there and how she ended up with three legs. These are the ones that seem to occur most often. Number one, which is sadly the least disturbing version of the story in my opinion. Um, or, so... What did... I was so proud of my notes, and now they don't make sense. <laughs> okay, the least disturbing version of the story is that the lady was born with a disfigurement where her organs were, like, on the outside of her body and resembled an extra limb. And so um, the local ch children would tease her because kids are ruthless. And kids are the most evil beings on the planet. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes they're wonderful, but sometimes they're really mean. Um, I have no comment. 
(laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so the local children tease her about her uh, disfigurement to the point where she locked everybody in a church on Nash Road during a service and burned it to the ground. Holy shit. So that's theory number one. (laughs) The second one is um, a story in which there was a young girl who was kidnapped, murdered, and dismembered in the woods along Nash Road. And her body parts were strewn about the woods carelessly. Uh, there are some who say that this was part of a satanic ritual. Um, allegedly, her mother went looking for her, and the only part she was able to scavenge was a single leg. She wandered up and down Nash Road carrying it with her, and even in death, her ghost is seen doing the same. Mm-hmm. Um, story number three is that there was no one specific living lady that the haunting is based on, but the church on Nash Road many years ago somehow became abandoned, and some believe that a satanic cult took up residence here and began conducting their rituals inside the church. The idea is that the hauntings stem from the occult activity that took place and are and what, and are responsible for the apparitions that exist along this road. Um, and then the most fun one... Ooh. <laughs> most unsettling of the tales that I came across involve a crime of passion. Ooh. A farmer and his wife lived on Nash Road, and one day the farmer caught his wife having an affair with a Civil War veteran. The farmer went into a rage and killed the other man, and then dragged his body down Nash Road and tossed him over a bridge. Oh, as you do. As you do. Somewhere in the midst of the chaos, the veteran's leg was snagged on the bridge and torn off. <sighs> After the funeral, the farmer's wife found the leg. You know how sometimes you're so distraught you just wander around picking up spare limbs off the ground? (laughs) That is what I wrote in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) And she decided to keep him close and sew the leg onto her own body. That's fun. That is wretched. That's a good time. She then killed her husband and subsequently herself. Oh. Her spirit haunted the church on Nash Road where the funeral was held. Um, kind of another one that's sort of along the same lines but slightly different is that the lady was the one who caught her husband having an affair so she chopped him up into little bits <laughs> except for a single leg which she naturally sewed onto her own goddamn body so either so, way she's sewing legs yeah so that he would be close to her um, very romantic she <laughs> then went to the church during a Sunday mass, locked everyone inside, and burned it to the ground. As you do. In any case, the lady haunting the area where the church, the, the lady haunting the area where the church once stood. Yep, good. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so whatever happened, her spirit is seen walking up and down the road with the extra limb still intact. Mm. That's crazy. Uh, Disgusting. Yeah, that's really disturbing. I like how we uh, kind of had a little bit of a theme of people using Chopping body shit. parts for things that they are not intended for. <laughs> um, so I didn't get the memo on that. <laughs> Good, maybe that'll lighten it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, so anyway, those are all the different like backstories. Um, there are so many different variations of the story that it's hard to... like find anywhere where there might have been some sort of truth, but <clears throat> in any case, it is a spooky little urban legend from Mississippi. That is creepy as shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. this has to be. Ooh. <laughs> 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 have you been waiting this whole time to say that? No, I feel like she has. 
She was waiting. I waited like two seconds to say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a good story, though. Yeah, I've great. heard of her, but I've never like, I, heard, like seen or seen the background. <laughs> seen the background. I've never seen the background either. Um, yeah, there was some blog post where someone was writing about how they went, like trying to lure her out of the church area or whatever, because it's not a church anymore, but they were like, yeah, nothing happened, but it's still a fun story, and I'm like, yeah, I guess <laughs> fun, fun yeah. is the word for it. <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun. I had the best time. <laughs> yep, it's not giving me nightmares at all. Alright, Keaton. Okay. Here you, here you go. So maybe it'll lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> not quite, because it's weird, but anyway. So, I decided to talk about Unexplained phone calls. So, I didn't get the memo. You did know. you want like a clap or something? You pause. Clap, clap it out. I know. <laughs> so, in the spirit of citing my sources, as per usual, I got this from listverse.com. So, the first one. Is called, I don't know how to pronounce this word, because I don't know do if it's help? French or what. How do you spell it? I'm just like grabbing your toe. A, <laughs> Washington, D.C. No, no, no. Line fund? Line fund? Yeah. Len fund? Len fund? I don't know that word. Okay. Well. Is it German? I don't know. Suki and I don't know. Suki and Meredith go. Oh damn! All the names. <laughs> Get outside. Our mascot <laughs> is being a menace today. She, she took after go. her cousin. I don't. I don't want to see you. Sky. Go. Thank you. So. Guy taught her bad things. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, she always eats the cat's food. <laughs> She'll never. So basically. There's this Moroccan restaurant in Washington, D.C. called the Marrakesh, which was the target of a harassment campaign by an unknown person or group starting in 1983. Workers referred to the caller as L'Enfant, or which means the young one in whatever language yeah. it didn't say. Sounds like French. So the calls varied. Sometimes it would be death threats. Other times, and I'm not really sure what this means, but it says other times... The caller swore that he was going to get very sexual. Oh. <laughs> was that what he said? I'm going to get very sexual. That's what I was wondering about. <laughs> Sometimes also, he did characters. Like, for instance, he would call and pretend to be a Middle Eastern man, a small black child, or a little girl. There, there were like a ton of different voices that he decided to do when he was calling this place. So, he would call multiple times a day, almost every day, for over a decade. Oh my god. That's so annoying. It says there was one especially busy period, which lasted for about four years, where the restaurant received over 7,000 calls. Oh my, oh my god. god. <laughs> As a result, there was a high turnover rate at the restaurant, because people would get sick of having to deal with these calls all the time I and quit. hang up the... So, the manager of the restaurant, whose name was Bashir Kuchasji? Yep, sure. Yes. Something like that. I know I'm <laughs> saying that wrong, but was affected more than anyone else. 
He believed he was the target of the calls stemming from an incident in 1974 when he was in Beirut. The Palestine Liberation Army kidnapped him because they thought he was a spy for the Mossad or the CIA. He was held at a Palestinian refugee camp where he was threatened daily. So The manager? Yes. Okay. So he attempted to kill himself while he was in this refugee camp, and for whatever reason, the people that kidnapped him were like, let's send him to the hospital. And so they sent him away to the hospital where he was able to contact his family, and his family contacted the American embassy, and he was finally saved and released, you know. So once he got back in the U.S., he and his sister opened their first Marrakesh restaurant in Philadelphia. After that one started to become successful... They went and opened a second restaurant in Washington, D.C. That was when the phone calls started, was after they opened their restaurant in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And at first, it would just be, like, someone laughing or saying, tsk, tsk, tsk. Ew. Yeah, yeah, it was I don't like that. I don't like that at all. And it escalated from there. It got so bad that the manager became very angry and paranoid and, like, lost family and friends and stuff like that over it. And he was in and out of psych hospitals for years. His car was vandalized with the Star of David. His former girlfriend was threatened, and the phone calls followed him back into the Philadelphia restaurant. Oh, no. So the phone company and the FBI tried to identify the caller, but they only found that the calls were coming from a bunch of different pay phones all around the Washington, D.C. area, which means that it was more than one person doing this. And they continued after a decade was over, but they became less frequent as time went on. So, there was that one. So there's that one. There's that one. This one is a little darker. Uh-oh. <laughs> like, uh-huh. a lot darker. Good. I like it. So, this is about Amy Mihaljevic. I think it's like a Russian last name or something like that. I don't know. I know I'm pronouncing all these names wrong. I'm sorry, but You're anyway. You're doing your best. <laughs> so, it says on April 27th of 1989, a police officer came to the class of 10-year-old Amy Mihaljevic to talk about stranger danger. I assume this was after she had been abducted already. So, she okay. <laughs> so the police officer comes to her class to talk to them about, like, not talking to strangers, don't go do anything with strangers, whatever. The problem was, the man that abducted and murdered Amy was not a stranger to her. He actually would call her house. This is a 10-year-old girl. He would call her house and would talk to her on the phone, and her brother actually heard, overheard a conversation that she was having with the mystery man. Amy would go to school and tell her friends about him, but she made sure not to tell her parents or, like, any adults that a grown man was calling her all the time. So on the day she was abducted, Amy told her friend that she was meeting with her secret caller who claimed that he worked with her mother and he wanted to take her to go get a gift for her mother because she had gotten a promotion at work, he said. So... After Amy met the man, he had allowed her to call her mother, 
And her mom assumed that Amy was calling from home, you know, because this was back in the 80s. They didn't, I don't think they really had caller ID like they do now. She got home from work that day and realized that Amy had never even been back to the house. So she goes to the authorities and they searched frantically across the Bay Village area in Ohio, but her body was not found. So this was in April of 1989. Her body was not found until February 7th of 1990. Um, Her head had signs of trauma and she appeared to have been sexually assaulted and stabbed. And it looked like her body had been dumped a short time after she had been abducted. So the murder made national headlines and was featured on America's Most Wanted, but no one has ever been arrested in connection with the crime. <laughs> so that's rough. That's rough. That is rough. Yeah, that one's rough. rough one. Like I don't know. I feel like they probably since that time got more intense with like the stranger danger right. stuff, like in schools and like I don't just know. parents educating their children and stuff like that. Like, Uber is taking rides from strangers. Well, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. What about dating nowadays? It's all on It's all on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's why I stay inside my house and do nothing with him. <laughs> that's okay. why. Hashtag. Except Kayla. <laughs> and but I it's come been, over and cuddle. Yeah. It's been 12 years that I've known you now, so if you were going to murder me, I feel like you would have. <laughs> yeah. Same with know. you. You never know. So now... For this last one, oh, we're kind more. of venturing out well, more into, like, the conspiracy more. theory area. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll throw it down. So, <laughs> this is a story about a random woman who predicted the JFK assassination mm. over a phone call. You love the JFK assassination. <laughs> How did I not see that coming? So, on November 22nd, 1963, shortly after 10 a.m., a switchboard operator at General Electric in Oxnard, California, answers the phone call. I knew you were going to laugh at that. Answers a phone call. She picks up the phone. There's no one talking on the other end, but the operator asks a coworker to pick up and listen as well, just in case the caller is in trouble. Finally, the caller whispers that the president was going to be killed at 10.10 a.m. that day. They said it sounded like just some middle-aged woman calling them and being weird, and she started whispering like other warnings, such as, the justice, the Supreme Court, there's going to be fire in all the windows, the government is going up in flames. During the call, she places the phone down and started dialing, it says like 12 to 15 digits. I'm not really sure what that means. but So the operator asks her if she needs any assistance, and the woman responds in a clear voice, no, I'm using the phone. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so he, the president wasn't killed at 10.10 a.m., so another call was made shortly after which insisted that the president was going to be killed at 10.30 a.m. instead. The call was disconnected at 10.25 because the operator thought the caller was just some disturbed middle-aged woman. Yeah. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, at 12.30 p.m. Central Time, President John F. Kennedy was shot and killed in Dallas, Texas, which 12.30 p.m. Central Time would translate to 10.30 a.m. in California, which is exactly the time that the caller had mentioned. Well, okay, but first she said 10.10. First she said 10.10, that's right. She got it wrong. (laughs) So the phone company decides that maybe they should report this call, you know, to the FBI. So they did about an hour after the president was shot, and the FBI wrote a report about it. But they were unable to trace the call, and the FBI still believes it was just a disturbed woman. Which seems fishy to me. (laughs) Elaborate. Why does that seem fishy to you? (laughs) Well, because they go on and write a report like she was right about it. Right, and they and have she's like a all the way in California. Report. They have a report about it, and they're just like, "No, like, don't worry about it." You know, it was just some crazy lady, even though exactly what she said was right. Yeah, and we went ahead and wrote a report and everything about it, but Oof. she was just crazy. I don't know. But also, she didn't know how to use the that's true. She was okay. She was on the phone. She was on the phone. No, I'm using the phone. Sassy lady is sassy. Ooh, that's so interesting, though. That is very interesting. Ooh. Interessante. All of these Interessante. stories today were very interesting. Yeah. You're very interesting. Ooh. <laughs> we'll talk later. Oh, okay. There you have So That's the shit that happens. That's the shit that happens. All right. So we're almost finished with our little episode three. We just want to say thank you to Kelly and Garrett. Yeah, our sponsors. (laughs) Thank you to our sponsors, Kelly and Garrett. Thank you to our sponsors. Um, And also thank you to those of you who have taken the time to actually listen to our podcast and go follow us on our social medias and everything like that. We really do appreciate you from the bottom of our little hearts. Um, And to those of you who have chosen not to listen to our podcast, we understand. <laughs> Same. Um, yeah, uh, so, if you haven't already, you can find us on all of the social medias. Uh, we've got Instagram, we've got the Twitter, we've got the Facebook. Uh, you can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud, I, iTunes, yeah. iTunes, iTunes podcast, uh, Stitcher. Stitcher. Did you do Stitcher? Yep, Stitcher. We're out here on Napster and LimeWire and MySpace. <laughs> exactly. So just look at any of those places and you can find us. We also have a Patreon page now. Yeah. Um, where you can, if you feel so inclined, subscribe and donate a couple dollars to us oh, so that, that we can... We're going to try to get better equipment. Yeah, better yeah. recording equipment. Also, if you donate, we're going to start doing exclusive content. Exclusive content. And just I think... Patreon Maybe the real first episode should be. Yeah, I think Maybe the real first episode yeah. should be exclusive yeah. content. Uh, yes. I it dig it. it. <laughs> we'll talk about that first episode. Oh, but it was so good. It we'll talk good. about it. <laughs> but anywho, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Yes, and that's the shit that happens. This concludes episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Yes. <laughs> that's the shit that happens. Okay. <laughs> All right, this is the shit that happens. Okay. All right. Or is that the shit, shit that, that happens? happens. <laughs> okay, bye. Shit that Just happens. Just how many times can we say <laughs> bye. it? Bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, love you. Okay, bye. <laughs>